0: This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, November 10th. I'm Samantha Sherris. As results continue to trickle in from Tuesday's midterm elections, it's clear that conservatives suffered some big losses, but also had some major wins, like Governor Ron DeSantis' nearly 20-point victory. Joining the podcast today is Noah Weinrich. He is the communications director for Heritage Action. We discuss some of the biggest wins and losses, what policies drove voters to the ballot boxes on Tuesday, what districts flipped, and what we know and don't know so far. We'll get to my conversation with Noah right after this.
1: Did you know that under Biden, our military is dangerously weak? So weak that we're not ready if China, Russia, or Iran attacks. We explain why and how to fix it in our 2023 Index of U.S. Military Strength, a comprehensive deep dive on the readiness of our nation to face threats and complete its mission in today's world. Learn more at heritage.org military.
0: Joining today's show is Noah Weinrich. He is the communications director for Heritage Action. Noah, thanks so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. I want to talk a little bit about Election Day. We don't know all of the results as of now, as of this recording. But I want to start with some of the uh, big wins for conservatives that we that we saw.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there were some huge wins for conservatives. Um, you know, I, I won't sugarcoat it. There were some big losses as well. Um, some of the big wins we saw in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Um, DeSantis got about 19% over Crist, which is a massive margin. This is a state that Donald Trump carried in 2020 by three points. Historically before that, it's been seen as a swing state. You know, It's the bellwether. Um, Bush won by in 2000 by a few hundred or a few thousand votes. We didn't know that result for months. But now it looks like Florida has become a ruby red state, Mm -hmm. um, largely thanks to DeSantis um, and his effective um, political machine down there and his effective policies. Rubio did very well as well. He got about 16 percent over his opponent, Val Demings, in an expensive race. Um, Anna Paulina Luna, a House candidate down there, she did a great job, very conservative candidate. Um, She did excellent. She won. Um, So Florida was a bright spot in, um, in a mixed bag night. Um, there were bright spots in New York. You know, Lee Zeldin did not flip the governorship, but that was always going to be a stretch. Um, he came within five points of Kathy Hochul, which is amazing in a, in a state like New York. Um, she won by 60 percent last time around. She only won. Uh, she only got 53 percent this time. Wow. So that is an accomplishment um, four Long Island seats. Um, went Republican as well. Uh, that is very impressive. Um, there was a, a seat that flipped in New Jersey as well. There was a seat in Virginia. So you saw a lot of pickups um, along the eastern seaboard in some of these swing suburban counties. Um, that was really impressive. Um, elsewhere, you know, de- Monica de la Cruz Hernandez out mm-hmm. in Texas. That was a great pickup. Um, it's still too early to call in some of these races like Nevada and Arizona. We're going to be waiting on results for possibly days, unfortunately. Um same in Georgia, it's going to a runoff. Um, now I will say that uh, for a long time the pundit class was predicting that uh, Warnock was going to win outright. You know they didn't believe in Herschel Walker. They thought they laughed at him. But now he came within a point of Warnock. He's taking him to a runoff. That is impressive. Brian Kemp won the state by about eight points, I believe. That is a big win. Um, I think it's a rejection of this idea that Georgia has become totally purple. Um, And we saw governors across the map win. I I believe not a single Republican incumbent governor was unseated. People were saying that Kevin Stitt in Oklahoma was going to be unseated. He won by double digits. Um, Same in the Senate. No incumbent Republicans lost their seat. Um, People were saying Mike Lee was going to have a problem with uh, Evan McMullen. He did not. Won by double digits. Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, he won over his uh, challenger Mandela Barnes. Um, in North Carolina, Ted Budd, who was not an incumbent senator, but he was a representative, he ran one-handily over his opponent, Sherry Beasley. So there are some serious uh, conservative victories, a lot of statewide victories. Um But of course, the map was mixed.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you brought up Warnock. Uh, This is actually his second runoff. uh, If our audience remembers, he uh, was also in a Senate runoff in uh, January of 2020 against then-Senator Kelly Loeffler. So it'll be interesting. I think the runoff is in December. Um, I don't remember the date. Yeah, it's early December. December. I think Mm -hmm. it's like December 5th, maybe. Um, But that'll be an interesting race to watch. We'll, of course, be uh, tracking that and keeping everyone updated on the results from that. Uh, On the flip side of the wins that we saw for conservatives, uh, break down some of the losses that we saw.
1: So some of the losses we saw, some of those were in really tight races, like Pennsylvania. Um, You know, Dr. Oz lost against John Fetterman. I haven't checked the final margin, but it was only by, I believe, two points or something like that. Um, now, that was a state that President Trump won very narrowly in 2016, lost very narrowly in 2020. So this is always going to be a tight race. You know, The polls up until the few weeks before – the two weeks really before the election had Oz down by several points. He only started gaining ground in the last several weeks. Um, and so unfortunately, you know, those polls looked like uh, – they were pretty, actually pretty accurate, but they were within the margin of error. So he lost narrowly. Um, New Hampshire, Don Boldick lost, uh, to Maggie Hassan, uh, by about eight or nine points. That was a tougher loss. You know, the polls showed him really gaining ground in the last few weeks and even tying the race up. Um, but New Hampshire is New Hampshire. It's a more, uh, liberal state in some ways than a lot of others. They, uh, you know, New England is, a totally different beast from a lot of other states. Um, And the voters there turned out uh, abortion was more of an issue in New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Um, And Maggie Hassan, of course, had the power of incumbency. That was a tough loss. Uh, Republicans also failed to flip a lot of governorships, including Michigan, Mm -hmm. including um, Wisconsin, including Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was a big loss. So there were some real losses. And a lot of House seats, Republicans narrowly lost. Of course, a lot of those were uphill battles already. You're trying to unseat incumbents. You're trying to flip a district, which is always harder than keeping a district. Um, But there were some real tough losses there. Mm
0: -hmm. And just speaking of uh, races that flipped or seats that flipped, uh, one race that I thought was particularly interested was uh, in New York's uh, 17th Congressional District where Republican candidate Michael Lawler defeated incumbent Representative Sean Maloney. He was also the chairman of the uh, Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw that the Washington Free Beacon reported that this is the first time that uh, the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee lost uh, his reelection bid in 40 years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very impressive. I mean, this is the guy who is tasked with winning uh, winning the House for his whole party, and he couldn't even keep his own seat. And he lost the House as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is a fitting end to his career as chairman of the DCCC.
0: Yeah. Are there any other races that flipped that were uh, particularly interesting?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I was just looking at some of them uh, this morning. Um, I mentioned New Jersey seven. Um, Tom Keene Jr. beat Tom Malinowski. Um, that was a, that's been a swing district. It's gone. Uh, you know, Malinowski has won. He actually beat Tom Keene last time by just a few points. This time, Keene was able to flip it. Um, that is Central Jersey. It's um, you know suburban has a little more of those classic Jersey uh, white collar Republicans. Um, Andy Ogles in Tennessee um Tennessee Tennessee's 5th he beat the incumbent there it was redistricted to be changed a little bit but he won there um a very conservative candidate too you know um he didn't run as you know a moderate just trying to squeak by he ran as a serious conservative he even at one point he took a flamethrower to a pile of president Biden's policies um strong guy really strong on abortion uh, very America first. Um, he actually used to work for uh, Americans for Prosperity, so he's excellent. He's going to be great in Congress. Um, that was a big win as well.
0: And I want to talk more specifically about some of these policies and issues that we saw, um, you know, really having the biggest impact on the election. Uh, for any of you who who were watching our live show on Tuesday, we had a couple different panels talking about. Um, the, the uh, life issue and election integrity, as well as the economy and inflation. Where did we see these issues uh, play out on Tuesday?
1: Absolutely. So um, it, it differed across the country. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons that you saw uh, mixed results, right? People were expecting either Republicans to win everywhere or to lose everywhere or, you know, or the toss ups to go one way or the other. But it really depended on where in the country you were. Uh, Florida was a really bright spot. Some of the places in the Northeast were a pretty bright spot. Um, Lee Zeldin did better than we expected in New York, even though he didn't win. Um, But then in the Midwest and um, in the Southwest, uh, you know, the candidates, conservative candidates didn't do as well as we thought. Um, And so part of that comes down to geography. Uh, In Florida, um, some of the issues were, you know, COVID lockdowns, um, parents' rights, the economy. And Governor DeSantis has done a fantastic job of showing how to be the model of a conservative governor? You know, he ran. He is Florida's economy is humming. Um, he has stood up for parents time and time again. He kept the state open. He passed the parents' bill of rights. Um, he is protecting families. Um, he is not. You know, he. This was an election year in a historically purple state. The temptation would be to you know tone things down, try to you know run as a moderate, keep your head down. But he didn't. He plowed ahead because he knew that conservative policies work. And that if he implemented them, he would be rewarded, and he was. Um, so that played very well there. Crime was a big issue in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the reasons that Ron Johnson beat his opponent, uh, Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes. Barnes was on record encouraging the protests and even the riots in 2020 in a state that was hit particularly hard. We all remember Kenosha, um, Milwaukee, you know, riots turning violent, um, deaths happening, uh, buildings and blocks burning. Um, And Barnes, as lieutenant governor, again, did nothing to stop that. Instead, he advocated for the end of cash bail. He saw these riots and said, you know, it's time to make it easier for criminals to get back out on the streets. And the people of Wisconsin rejected that. And Mm -hmm. so crime played there in a way that it didn't in other places, which had lower crime rates or which didn't have the same problems with protests uh, or riots that Wisconsin did in 2020. I'd say election integrity was a really big issue in Arizona in particular. Um, and, it, you know, they were really proved correct yesterday. You know, uh, Blake Masters and Kerry Lake both ran on an election integrity platform. Mm-hmm. They ran on saying, you know, it needs to be easy to vote, hard to cheat. There are problems in our election system and we need to fix them. And all along, yeah, you know, they were called conspiracy theorists, election deniers, whatever whatever the corporate media could throw at them. And they shut it down. Kerry Lake especially was amazingly adept at just shutting down the media narrative um, they knew that, yes, there are problems with our elections. We saw this in 2020. Um, we're seeing this now. You know, it shouldn't take days or weeks to know r- the results of the election. You also shouldn't have a scenario in which um, 20% of vote counting machines are not working in Maricopa County. This isn't, you know, some conspiracy theory. This is fact. It's widely reported. Um, it was There were serious problems on Election Day, and the election was being run by Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, who was up for governor. So sure, it seems like there's a clear conflict of interest. So there are serious problems in the in the election, regardless of what happens. Those have to be fixed. So they were proved right in their concerns about our elections. Um, not that you're going to hear most of the media admit that.
0: Well, Noah, thank you so much for joining us to give us an update and uh, tell us what we know and what we don't know for this year's midterm elections. We'll have to have you back on as we continue to learn more about uh, the results and Uh, what the next Congress is going to look like. So thank you so much, Noah Weinrich of Heritage Action, the communications director there. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to my interview with Noah Weinrich. If you haven't gotten a chance, make sure you subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day, and we'll be back with you all this afternoon for top news.
1: The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Samantha Asheris, and Jillian Richards. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.